What do you mean one of the ones got lost? <clears throat> oh, it's hard to navigate the universe. Well, I'm sorry. Send a rescue team just so we can get this over with. Oh, oh. Hello, my best boys and girls. So today, I'm going to come at you with something that, well, if you clicked on this video, you might be like, ah, oh, what is this? 10 seconds long? Well, no. Right now, it's 30 seconds long. But you might not think that it'll last a while. But believe it or not, there is actually some, there's actually a, some more that I want to talk about <clears throat> with this episode. It's basically going to be about, it's going to be two-pronged. It's going to be like Act 1 and Act 2. Act 1 is basically why or how you can see movies. Like, why I would want to see them. I'll get more, more on that later. <clears throat> the second one is different viewing experiences. Mainly that the theater has to offer. And just, uh, I'll go over some of them and some of the pros and cons of them. Alright, let us get started. <clears throat> so at this point, you're probably thinking, um, yeah, I see movie on advertisement. Movie looks good i see it it's not it's not rocket science there buddy yeah i know but there are some unique reasons why you might want to see that movie um i'm just gonna go over some basic ones number one it looks good you see it it looks intriguing you're like yeah looks good let's do it i remember uh when I was a kid going to the movie theater with my family and like watching the trailers and then leaning over saying yes or no to whoever was around me, probably my sister or my mom or my dad or someone being like, yeah, like that looks good or no, that looks terrible. And if it looks good, I will flash a thumbs up in the theater. And if it looks bad, I will throw a tomato at the screen. I'm going to think that that's might be why I missed out on a lot of movies. I ran out of tomatoes. Anyways, um, going on with that, there that's the first one. That's the easy, most, most first one. Uh, number two is that there could be a particular... Well, number two actually is another basic one. It's part of like a giant chain of movies. Or it's part of a franchise you like. Like, <clears throat> I mentioned how we are in, you know, kind of an era right now. Um... How we are just, you know, how <clears throat> Hollywood doesn't really have a lot of original ideas. I'll talk more about that later. But, like, that also opens the door for other franchises. Like, my mom, she loves Jurassic Parks. She loves the Jurassic Park series. So, right when there was a new Jurassic Park, boom, she was in. Back in, ooh, 2015, I feel old now. When the new Star Wars movie was announced, or around 2015, boom, I was in. Uh, James Bond, boom, yep. Mission Impossible, yep. And also, Marvel is doing something that is unheard of. At least in recent memory. <clears throat> and that is where they are linking countless movies and TV shows all together to form one coherent plot. In fact, I, back when I was a kid, I didn't really know what was going on. And I noticed that all Marvel movies, I'm like, Hmm, that's interesting. I'm like, huh, Marvel movies, they all seem to be kind of, you know, focused around the Tesseract and like the, like these, um, 
kind of like these infinity steps. I didn't know they were called infinity steps, but I'm like, hmm, we also need to react. I'm like, I bet one day there is going to be a box set of that. Oh, ho, ho, young me. If you only knew how big it would be, the box set would probably be the size of, I don't know, maybe my apartment right now, or maybe the room I'm in, or probably not that, but it just, they keep on sending stuff out, and it's just, it's not slowing down anytime soon. So it'll be interesting to see how much stuff they end up with. It might just be like, you know, the Back to the Future joke where they made a Jaws 19 reference. I mean, it doesn't exist. Shark still looked fake, but... <sighs> yeah. Um... I'll count that. That's a reference. No. They'll say I don't did nothing for you. But yeah, that could be another reason. If it's part of like a coherent storyline or a franchise you like. Like, uh, I'm really excited for uh, the Hunger Games, the Songbird and the Snake. That seems fun. Um, the other one is that there's an actor, a particular actor that you like in it. Um, like, let's say you really, really like... Um, first one that comes to my mind is Chris Pine. Let's say you really like Chris Pine, and then you see a movie with Chris Pine, boom, I'm in. Uh, let's say you really like... Um, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum movie? Boom, I'm in. That's that's another re way you, reason you might want to see it. Like, you see a bunch of movies with a bunch of famous people that you like. You're like, ooh, I want to see that because this person's in it. Now, would I recommend this? Uh, well, as for me personally, um, it um, it's not that convincing for me. Uh, me personally. Like, I'm like, yeah, okay, my favorite actor could be in it. But if the movie's bad, then why would I want to see it? I don't really care who's in it. If the movie's bad, why would I want to see it? It's like if you're eating like a casserole, and let's say your favorite food ever is mushrooms. It's not. Mine's not mushrooms. I don't even really particularly like mushrooms that much. But Let's say there's mushrooms in it. Mushrooms well-placed throughout it. Yeah, the mushrooms are in it. But if the casserole's like burned or gross or even worse, moldy, um, then why would you why, why, why would you want to see it? Or why would you want to eat it? Like, yes, you can try to like just pick out and focus on your, hyper-focus on your favorite part. Maybe some other parts of it aren't that bad. But if it's gr but if the rest of it's bad, then why would you want to see it? Now, controversial. Similarly, I guess the reverse can be true. Like if you like everything else except the mushrooms, or you don't like that one actor, then you could try to you know just ignore it. It's probably a e bit easier to just kind of ignore. But it could be like a pickle. It spreads. The flavor spreads throughout it. I hate pickles. They're they're disgusting. I'm sorry. If you like pickles, I'm sorry, but I think they're disgusting. Yeah, so that is one of the reasons you can see it. Because of an actor, because you want to, and because of the franchise. But yeah, I've pretty much said what everyone's thinking. But go in a little bit deeper on the next segment. So buckle up. We're going deeper. The next one is kind of controversial, I think. 
And that is called spite watching, or at least that's what I call spite watching. To demonstrate what spite watching means, I'm going to take you on a little journey. A journey to the year 2017. Things were good in 2017. We did not have the coronavirus. Um, I just graduated from high school and I was heading off to college and things were looking good. However, there was one bit of cinema that no one, and I mean no one, wanted. A little disaster called the Emoji Movie. No one, and I mean no one, wanted to see the Emoji Movie. It was terrible. Right when the right when it broke, people were hoping, myself included, were hoping it was a joke. Like, please, be a joke, be a be a prank. Justin Kerr prank, come on out and just be like, you got Kerr pranked. Please be a joke. There was no joke. The joke was on us and the fact that people would try to watch it. And by the way, can I just interject? When I said you don't want to watch it just because of a character or an actor you like, they had James Corden. I know a lot of people are fans of James Corden. Maya Rudolph, she's been in SNL and The Good Place and a lot of other stuff. And Sir Patrick Stewart in this movie. So good actors does not equal good movie. Anyways, um, yeah. The Emoji Movie. Everyone hated it. No one wanted to watch it. Let's look at some crispy, and I mean crispy, reviews. I don't even know what that means, but let's look at some of the, these reviews. 3.4 out of 10 on IMDb. And on Rotten Tomatoes... It got a 6%. The, the reviews on Google are full of sarcasm. This one guy left a one-star review, and they said... <laughs> and they said, like... Here, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to read this one review. This is easily the greatest film review I have ever seen in my life. This is easily the greatest film I have ever seen in my life. Nothing even comes close to this masterpiece. After the movie, I literally had to stop watching other movies because I knew nothing can compete with it. The plot is engaging, and the animation is gorgeous. This is quite easily the greatest piece of media ever produced without a doubt. <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat for the entire hour and a half, hoping that Gene would make the right face. It's so relatable. <clears throat> I've seen this movie countless times with friends, family, and even loved ones. This movie makes me... Smile, laugh, and even shed a few tears. Only at the sad parts, of course. The jokes are hilarious and not corny at all, such as, you're soft, poop. I'm pretty sure I laughed so hard I cried after this one. The movie ends. The way this movie ends will leave you on a cliffhanger and wanting more. Gene makes the right face and they have a huge dance party. Nothing screams, I need a sequel, like a dance party. I will continue to watch this film for years to come and will relish in its glory. Thank you, Sony. For this plot flawless film.
Yeah. That. Yep. That that's an that's a that's a review. Obviously, dripping with sarcasm. Considering the one star rating, but yeah, it was terrible. Six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. A six percent. That does not happen. But yeah, somehow, somehow, they made money. They made one point six seven point eight million dollars. Let's say that again. A one point six, a one. million with an M dollars. 36.1 million in the U.S. Not stellar, but they still made money on this. Just to give you a little uh, glimpse, here are some movies that bombed. A Wrinkle in Time. That movie bombed. They lost. They lost $116.8 million dollars. Mulan, that lost $131.1 million. Those are movies that lost money. And also, surprisingly, for some reason, The Haunted Mansion lost $98 million. Now, I personally liked The Haunted Mansion. I didn't see the other two. But I enjoyed The Haunted Mansion. I thought it was good. I didn't really see anything too wrong with it. It like added some lore to a beloved ride that I love. That beloved ride that I really like going on at Disneyland. I thought it was good. Yeah, some parts were cheesy, but it was. But I knew. But I liked it. The Emoji Movie made money. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Spite watching. That is my biggest hypothesis. That people were like, oh man, I'm so mad. This movie sucks. Let's watch it. Why would you do that to yourself? And why would you do that to the box office, unfairly skewing it so that the emoji movie makes money? Why would you do something like that? Yeah, so that is why. People, there are movies that are so terrible, people feel like they have to watch it for whatever reason just to see how bad it is. But... That's the thing. It skews the box office. Now, the shining light is that the people probably wouldn't make sequels out of it because they see like, oh, the reviews suck. Let's 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 not do that anymore. But still, spite watching is kind of you know eh, skews it. I mean, I'm not telling you not to do it. You can do what you want, but yeah, it kind of skews it. Another reason you could spite watch it is just to get back at the latest political group. I know, I know. Petty, yeah. Divisive, oh yeah. But like, let's say a group, let's not use actual political parties because I don't want my podcast to get shut down. Let's say there's two groups, green grapes and red grapes. Now, let's say the Green Grape Group, Green Grape Group, <laughs> Triple G, G, G Cubed. Let's say that group is telling you not to watch a new movie called Finn Norwalk. Yeah, that's their new movie, Finn Norwalk. Let's say Green Group is like, no, don't watch Finn Norwalk. It's uh, promoting stuff that we don't like. 
Now, let's say it's an action movie about a super spy in Norwalk named Finn Norwalk. He's also in the city of Norwalk. That's how he got his name. This is what happens when I don't, when I give an example on the fly. I just look at one of my cats and come up with a weird title. But let's say the red, let's say the green group's like, no, don't watch that movie. It's about, a, and then let's say they, it's promoting some stuff they don't like. Let's say it's about just a spy, super spy agent named Finn Norwalk. Green group's like, no, we don't like either this actress or this actor said something or uh, the messages aren't good or the production guy's bad. And again, this isn't like he's, they're actual criminals. It's just the message or the actor or actress or whatever said something. They're like, no, don't watch this movie. The Don't watch, don't watch Finn Norwalk. It's... Uh, I don't like what they're promoting, blah, 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 blah. And so let's say you're not a part, let's say you're a part of the red grape group, RGG. You're like, huh, well, I wasn't really interested in seeing this, but you know what? Now I kind of want to watch it. I don't care about the message. I just want to spite the green grape group. And so you go and you watch it. That's another way, just to get back at someone. Now, that's petty. I like to think that this doesn't happen, but I'm sure in the history of cinema and politics and whatever, I'm sure it's happened before. Let's be real. Like, oh, I don't want to, oh, yeah, Green Grape Group, you don't want me to watch it? Well, I'm going to watch it even harder now. Uh, what do you think of that? Petty. That's what I think of that. But yeah, spite watching is controversial but don't worry this next one is more fun so another thing that can help them out is that well the internet can help them out like the internet can kind of sway people because we're on the internet a lot it's just modern society and stuff and i can go on a rant about how it may not be a good thing but the internet can help or hurt a film. Like, for instance, it chooses what gets promoted. Like, you like a Barbieheimer post, and then boom, you're going to get more Barbieheimer things. So with Barbieheimer, the internet basically saw Barbie and Oppenheimer. One, a lighthearted comedy about dolls going into the real world, and one, a gritty World War II drama. Two polar opposite movies. And so the internet was kind of like, huh, you know, it'd be kind of funny if we saw these movies together. We'll call it Barbenheimer or Barbieheimer. That's kinda, I think that's kind of funny. So they they went over and they combined it. And sure enough, it helped people see it. My mom mentioned that she wasn't really interested in seeing Oppenheimer, but she was interested in seeing Barbie. And I'm sure she wasn't the only one, but just saw it because of the uh, double feature as people were as people were calling it. I want to see Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, I just think, sounds really good. I'm really into World War II, so why wouldn't I want to see Oppenheimer? But Barbie was along with it, and Barbie seemed, you know, it piqued my interest in Barbie. Like, ordinarily, I would just be like, now, just kind of shut it down, like, okay, yeah, woo, let's go see Barbie. <laughs> Funny joke. But no, I because of that, I watched an ad for it, and I'm like, hmm, this actually looks good. And I'm sure I'm not the only one there's probably Oppenheimer fans that saw Barbie and Barbie fans that saw Oppenheimer. 
because the internet promoted it and the internet made a joke out of it, a lighthearted joke. They're not like, this sucks. <laughs> Let's make fun of it. No, they made a joke. Like they're laughing with it. Like, isn't this funny? They're, they're coming out at the same time. And it worked. Oppenheimer. Recently, one day ago, one day from uh, September 18th, that's when I'm recording this, Oppenheimer surpasses $900 million at the box office, and Barbie has taken the box office by storm, earning more than $1.38 billion, with a B, worldwide. So it just, sh- it just goes to show you that it can work, and it will, be, and it will help. Like, the internet can surge people and make people see it like it can sway people good or bad politics religion ideology but there's also nice happy little lighthearted jokes like barbieheimer it was a fun experience although i was the only one that dressed up for oppenheimer yeah that was fun really hot day but it was a fun experience. My friend, actually, he dressed up in a suit and with a bunch of his other friends. And they saw Barbieheimer. And they enjoyed it. And there's jokes about it, too. I saw this one thing, you know, the SpongeBob F is for friends who do stuff together. Like, Barbie was singing the happy part. And then Oppenheimer was like, F is for fire that burns down the whole town. You is for uranium bombs. And so... People made jokes about it, and it became an internet sensation. Yes, it also helped, of course, that they were two unique movies that don't really, that aren't really, you know, like polarizing. They're not, you know, they're unique movies that aren't just a sequel, remake, reboot, re-franchise, reboot, whatever. Yeah. Similarly, um, although I don't know how much movies really earn, you know, after they're already released on streaming services and stuff. The B movie. Yeah. Back in 2017, 2016, the the B movie became popular for some weird reason. People were like spam messaging people's scripts of the B movie and like people were posting trailers like the B movie but every time they say B it gets faster or the B movie but every time this this happens it was funny I think those memes are hilarious like it happens with a bunch of things like uh, Lazy Town We Are Number One videos uh, the Lorax kind of got some of the songs from the Lorax got popularized because of it and other clips from TV shows get popularized but yeah I thought those movies were funny or those videos were funny now, the B movie. I remember my sister and I were just up late one night, uh, just kind of on Netflix, and right when my sister saw the B movie, that makes it sound like she swatted something, but she clicked on it. And we watched the B movie again. <laughs> oh my gosh. The movie was so terrible. It was really weird. It, like, changed into a disaster movie for no good apparent reason. Like, halfway through. Yeah. I don't know what, what was up with that movie, guys. But it's hap- this is what happens when Jerry Seinfeld writes a children's movie. I mean... But, yeah. Without the internet, the B-movie would have probably just... <sighs> snapped, dusted into obscurity. 
with all the other children's movies that we would honestly rather forget about. But yeah, it would have just, you know, been another kid's movie. But the internet surged and made it popular, just like what happened with the song Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush. Now, that that song was released in the, released in the 80s. Good song? Yeah, I love 80s music. Did I hear it? No. My main influences for 80s mu music is my parents. So I heard a bunch of Queen, a lot of Billy Joel, uh, Stevie Wonder, Bob Marley. Yeah, those things. Uh, for some reason, we didn't have that song. I don't know. There's a lot of songs, I think, that came out in the 80s. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Stranger Things propelled that song into being one of the most listened to songs. I watched a video about the most listened to songs of each month for in like 1970s to 19 or to 2023. And yes, while some were to be expected, I was happy to see Rick Roll was on there. We didn't start the fire. One of my favorite songs was on there. I'm I was banking on one was there and it was the song Gungam Style. Man, that song's so nostalgic. But yeah. Running Up That Hill, an 80s song, was in the more popular songs in the 2020s. Not not exactly 2020, but yeah. This, this shows that the internet can definitely help in these situations. Wow, you're probably saying, I sure am glad that I don't need to sit through more of his uh, reasons to see a movie, right? No. I do have one more thing, and this is about advertising, so I guess it's kind of not really why you'd see a movie. I mean, you would, but clever advertising, that definitely just deserves its own spotlight. So, what are advertisements? Jeez, I can't believe I'm really going through this, but typically they're on your screen, or they're on billboards, or a poster, or something. Yes, digital effects have gotten a lot better, so you can do a lot more with it. But there are some uh, that decide to take it up to the next level. So back last year in 2022, if you were a if you are a baseball fan, such as what I am, if you are specifically Red Sox versus Yankees, or Red Sox, Yankees, Mets, A's, Cardinals, or Dodgers. Um, you may have noticed something a little bit off about the game. There were, there were people who were in the background of there behind home plate, sitting there motionlessly smiling at the camera. He's, he's, he's smiling at me. And so what, so what? They were happy to be there. They got great seats. Maybe their team was winning at the time. But no, they have a creepy smile on their face. Um, yeah. So here is what actually happened. Paramount actually paid people to sit at those games and just smile creepily throughout the entire game to promote their new horror movie, Smile. It was fascinating, I think, that it actually that people did this because it's like taking the movie and going to the next level with it. 
So there were some other instances of people doing that too. Like for instance, in the Carrie remake, um, they played a prank on people of a in a coffee shop where an actress, quote, and the store used quote unquote teleconnect powers to throw another actor against the wall, making books and pictures fly from their spots, freaking out many of the customers in the store. And yes, I read that from the Independent. That's where I found the article. And yeah, some of the other stuff have done that too. Like for The Simpsons, um, 7-Eleven locations changed their signage to the Quickie Mart, which is the famous uh, store from The Simpsons, the convenience store. But yeah, recently even, um, there were AI-looking robots that promoted the new movie, The Creator, where basically it basically says the AI is evil or are they? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and they were basically had actors, quote unquote, infiltrate the stands and wear that and wear like the kind of look like the AI robots. Really good effects, by the way. I'm looking at it right now. They were really good effects. And, like, basically wear the thing for, um, wear the, uh, the little AI headset thing to promote the movie The Creator. And it'll work, because, like, people are like, what? what's that? So, yeah, that is, uh, a few of the things. Now, I think that the, um, I think that Smile did it better. Personally, that's my opinion, just, uh, for a few reasons. Number one is right behind home plate. Very hard to miss. It's very hard to miss home plate. Like, um, football doesn't really show as much fans as uh, as a home plate does, as a baseball does. And even so, there's a very rare chance that it'll like flash back to another fan or flash back to you once you got your two seconds of fame. But yeah, these people are behind home plate the entire time. So that's the first thing that they did better. Number two, kind of going along with that in the same vein, is that if you're a baseball fan, such as myself, you know the announcers like going off on random tangents about fans in the audience. You know, if someone when the pitcher's deciding, you know, what to throw next, they might go on random fans like, oh, that little fan looks like he's getting home coming home with the souvenirs. Like, oh. This guy looks like he's really enjoying his nachos or something. Yeah, so stuff like that. So there is a good chance that some of the fans in the six announcing booths were like, okay, that's a bit weird. Let's talk about this, shall we? And yeah, so I think that was genius. And number two, it's clearly creepy. The uh, AI robots, like, if you weren't, super familiar with the movie or if you weren't super you know in tune with it you could think oh they have a disability that's just how you know that's just something to help with their disability like obviously you don't want to stare and point at them so probably they may have just been you know okay better safe than sorry well we won't talk about that we'll talk about this guy instead or something like that but yeah the smile thing was irl creepy like people are would be very unsettled because they weren't, like, reacting to anything. I mean, if the ball probably, like, popped over, they probably would react. If they didn't, I'd be very concerned. But, yeah, I think that that was genius because they brought the horror to us. Like, 
the AI thing, that was a bit like, okay, like, are they really that evil? Because one of the things that they're trying to save is a child. And, um, like, okay, is that really that evil? But yeah, this is like, okay, I'm a bit creeped out. And my wife, she even showed me an Instagram reel of people dressed like nuns seeing the movie The Nun. And you might be thinking, aw, nuns. No, these are creepy nuns. Like, could you imagine how creeped out you would be if you were just like in the store one day or like, or probably somewhere, probably during, probably when it's nighttime or something, or walking out of somewhere and you saw a group of those nuns. Well, I mean, you might be scared of nuns because you're like, oh, geez, I haven't gone to church in a while. Oh, no. But if you just saw those nuns, you'd have a little bit more to worry about if you're a fan of horror movies. Yeah. So that's what I think is cool about that. Like in real life, marketing is genius because it brings the movie really honestly to life. So now we're getting into some unique ways to watch movies, like unique uh, viewing experiences that the your theater might offer. The first is something called Screen X. The brand was trying to be the family feud X sign, but Screen X. Now, what this is, I watched Gran Turismo twice in it. It's basically so... You know how the walls of the theater, like, next to you aren't really used for much? Basically, that shows the images. Um, yeah. The screen is basically now kind of stretched out a little bit. So the walls on the sides are now, uh, now showing images. Now, I thought, now I could see why they did it, for sure. Like, that's, you know, it helps bring you into the movie. The movie is literally surrounding you. And I thought it did a good job. It was Gran Turismo, so it was kind of, you know, felt like you were racing along with them a little bit. But there is a little bit of an issue with it. Uh, you kind of had to be like uh, Sid the Sloth with it a little bit, meaning your eyes kind of had to, you know, you do get it. Each eye was like pointed in a different direction. Like, eh. I don't really know how to describe it, but just if each eye was just like, you know, like you can kind of point them in a different direction so you can get all of it. Like, I didn't really want to miss out anything like that could be important. So I was just kind of, you know, looking around, like, like kind of looking casually back and forth for it because while the main action was still happening on the screen, it's still, you know, you gotta pay attention to that side. Um, so I think that in moderation, that could be an extremely useful tool and knowing when, like if the action is all in the center, there's nothing really going on on the other sides. Yeah, by all means, use it. It's kind of cool. It makes it more immersive. But if this is like, you know, a movie where you want to watch like the reactions of everyone around the main character or there's something kind of, you know, on the sides that you should pay attention to. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe don't use that. Um, I can see this working well with the horror genre. Mainly because if there's like, you know, you're there, you know, something's creeping up kind of behind you. You're like, what was that? Like, oh man, I feel that you feel the tension now a lot more. So yeah, Screen X is very, it's interesting. Um, I think if it's used well and used in moderation, like it can't be used for every single movie and every scene, just for when, you know, 
you want to really focus on the center, but you want to kind of be immersed. Like, I think I figured that once I'm like, okay, nothing's really going on on the sides. I can, I can watch it now. Like I can, I can just kind of focus on the center and everything will be fine. I'm not going to miss anything. Once that happens, then I think you're, then I think that's when it's good. But if you guys use it bad, like the whole thing's there, or you have to focus on the sides for something and you're like, what side do I focus on? Then that could be a bit, that could be bad. So yeah, screen X overall, pretty interesting. So the next thing that I'm probably going to be the last thing to talk about right now, unless I think of something magically at the end, 4DX. Now, I have mentioned 4DX before, but I think it deserves this because it is definitely a different way to watch cinema. And it is nothing short of amazing. I first saw this when I saw the new X-Men movie. Well, not really new, but when I saw X-Men. And I loved it. I thought it was great. Now, what it is, is basically like the seats. It, it basically puts you into the movie without putting you in the movie. That's a terrible description. But basically what it does is that the seats, they move. Here's what it has. Here's the motion chair effects and the environment effects. I found this online. The seats roll. They kind of pitch you forward and back. It heaves, go up and down. There's a back shaker, a bottom shaker. There's scents, face air, air shots. Rain, obviously not real rain. You can turn off the rain, by the way. Back tickler, bottom tickler, warm air, and the environment effects. Rainstorm, water, wind, snow, lightning, fog, and bubbles. Now, what all that means, I just said a bunch of confusing words. Now, what all that means is that they basically do the best to put you inside the movie. Like, if there's a car kind of... There, you're kind of move. You're kind of moving around with the car. It's like Star Tours, honestly, at Disneyland. Like you're kind of moving around with it. It's obviously not as you know jerky as that, but it still is. You're like you're moving around with it. Um, there's like certain scents. I know that theaters tried to do that back when I was in middle school. Like certain scents that happen in the air. There's like air shots that kind of blast your face sometimes if it's windy. There's a water thing that you can, there's a button that you can press that says turn water on, off. I had fun pressing buttons. Pressing buttons are always just fun. But I pressed it on. I'm like, so there's water. If there's water in the movie or if it's like raining, there will be water. There's like fog. There. Uh, lightning. The lights in the theater kind of flash a little bit. And yeah, it basically does the best to make you inside the movie. Like your chair moves. Like the, uh, the roller coaster. You know, the roller coaster intro in um, that a lot of movies do like it shows you the anemone, an enemy, an enemy, an enemy, an enemy, an enemy, the concessions. I'll say concessions that theaters have like the popcorn, the soda, the candy. You actually feel like you're on a roller coaster. It's pretty awesome. Although I got juked last time and they didn't even have it. But yeah. um, Like. It does get, it can, I can see how it can backfire. Like, I don't think my parents would like it that much. Um, I watched Indiana Jones, and like, there was a scene where they're going down the stairs. I'm like, oh, jeez. Like, each time they would fire a bullet, like, something would, in the back, kind of, like, press you a little bit. So, I can see how watching something like James Bond or Mission Impossible, you would get beaten up by the chairs. <laughs> but yeah, it was 
super fun. It is honestly really fun to watch a movie in that experience. Um, now, some drawbacks of it, sometimes you focus more on what's happening to you than the actual content on screen a little bit, because if you're watching something and then someone's violently shaking you, it's kind of hard to, you know, you know, you kind of want to focus on the thing that's violently shaking you, like something that you're actually feeling rather than what you're seeing. But other than that, it is really fun. Like, I honestly, if you're, you know, if you don't get, you know, injured by being shaken or if you're okay with that stuff, I would recommend you watch it. Just, if no other reason, just to have the experience. Um, I don't know. I saw Barb. I saw that they they were playing Barbie in 4DX. I don't really know how that would like. I don't really know what they would have for that. Maybe during the fight scene, or they're they're in a car or a spaceship. It'll probably do that. Um, yeah, I recommend you watch it at least once, just to say like I did it. I experienced it, and it's like actually synced up really well. Like I was seeing an ad for Gran Turismo in 4DX. Now I have already seen an ad for that, but I was worried about the main crash. I'm like, geez, is this going to like throw me from my seat? It didn't. It just kind of ignored that part, which is probably good. But yeah, I think that it was really, really, really good. So yeah, I would highly recommend you watch, you watch at least one thing in uh, 4DX, if not for just the experience, because it it w might revolutionize the theater experience. Now, do I see this being like a, an, av an everyday thing? No. No, I, my grandpa would not like it. My family, parents mainly, I don't think they would like it. People would not like it. But, but I can see it becoming more popular. Like, I saw it before COVID kind of ruined everything. I can see it becoming a little bit more popular. I think COVID kind of, you know, eh delayed it as it did with everything, but I can see it becoming a lot more popular in the future. So yeah, that is what 4DX is and why I think it is, honestly, it's revolutionary. It is gonna, it will change a movie theater experience, in my humble opinion. And I highly recommend, if you want to, every you should at least try it. Just try it at least once. Maybe just, I mean, actually, now that I think about it, that'd be kind of good, a good idea. Sampling it. Like, just like, would I like it? Or maybe I won't. And seeing a variety of movies in it, too. Like, if there's movies, like, with not a lot of action, you probably won't get, like, as jostled around as much. But, like, movies like Godzilla versus Kong... My brother-in-law saw that, and he said that they were practically underwater because of how much water it was. They were practically swimming. So yeah, 4DX is honestly nothing short of amazing. And that was the part of the show. Wrap it up, slap it up, send it to you guys. Movies. I think you like them because you are on this podcast. Or you're listening to this podcast now. But anyways, um... Right now, there are a lot of different ways you can watch it and go to the movies. Um, you could watch it because you like the plot line or it sounds good or like, you know, you like an actor in it. You could watch it out of spite. You could watch it because of the internet. 
and you can even get pulled in by some of the unique advertising. Um, some of the interesting or more interesting or more interesting ways to watch it. Screen X, which is basically just like cameras on the uh, or projectors. I actually looked and I saw the projectors on the other side, on the other walls. And 4DX, which is basically the most immersive. I don't know why I said it like that. Immersive, immersive, whatever. The most immersive that a theater can get without actually putting you directly into the movie. Yeah. So that is pretty much all for this episode. Thanks for watching. Uh, feel free to follow me on Instagram at post underscore credits underscore podcast. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, we are getting about to the halfway point. Um, actually, I think we're past the halfway point since my podcast tends to run from late May to early November. I skipped a few weeks. I'll have to figure that out. But I may have to decide when to, you know, uh, I'll have to decide when to stop season four. We'll be back for season five. That's for sure. I can tell you that much already. Um, yeah, because I'm actually in a community play. Uh, I got cast in my community play. Um, yeah, so that might affect it. We don't start performances, which is on Saturday, which I normally record Saturdays if I don't have anything else going on. I record on Saturdays so I can get it out on Tuesday. Today's a Monday, so there's that. Um, yeah, so I will be uh, telling you when I will end season four. I'm already planning a Christmas uh, special, so be on the lookout for that. I'll hope I can deliver. A lot of still up in the air. But yeah, thank you for listening. And roll credits. But wait, there's more. The references. I always forget these references, Counter, and I'm very sorry. But don't worry, there's more. And also, I'm going to cleverly put this before the bloopers. <laughs> no one will ever know. Oh, I'm recording this. Okay. Well, anyways, the reference count is, drum roll please, 11. See if you can get them all. 11 references. Good luck. So at this point, you're probably thinking, um, yeah, I see movie on film. Of course you see movies on film. Cut, cut. Let's go on the blooper reel. All right. The next thing, and probably the last thing I'm going to be talking about today is screen four. What's well, not screen? It's a 4DX. Now, I talked about 4DX a little bit, but I feel like it is important to mention for a number of reasons how it is changing. It is basically going to be changing how movies are watched. Probably not forever, because there's probably going to be an option not to like, to not do it, but, um, you know what? I'm going to need to, hang on, hang on.